This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. Welcome to the Christmas episode. On behalf of the voiceover bots of too many podcasts, we'd like to wish all of our listeners the merriest Christmas and the happiest new year. It might be hard in this time of COVID-19 to be with our loved ones. But we ask you to be safe and spread love on this sacred day. Be merry, but be safe. And now, on to our show. Today's special guest is Catherine Brodsky of the Mind the Future podcast. Enjoy the show, and happy holidays to all of the rebels of the Sure Pollution. Attention, rebels of the Sure Pollution. Today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, all of the Sherpa's bad jokes can be purchased at the gift shop near the exit. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Hello there, Rebels. It's me, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Merry Christmas, if you're listening to this in real time. And the happiest of holidays to all of you here and there in Podcastia and all around the world. Since we're doing a Christmas show, I don't take a day off on Christmas. You know that. We've got a really great interview today and with a super nice lady. Her name is Catherine Brodsky, and she is a journalist who hosts a podcast called Mind the Future, and it's really fascinating stuff. Uh, We met through social media. (laughs) Uh, My buddy, uh, super publicist Steve Joyner, had nothing to do with this one. This was on my own. And I was so glad that I stumbled across this lady. Well, not physically, but you know what I mean. And she's over in Canada. And we had a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. She had a lot of great stories about her life as a journalist and the many other jobs that she's held as well. You'll hear about all of them, too, in the interview. So... Kick back with your eggnog and have a holiday. Listen to my interview with Catherine Brodsky of Mind the Future. Hello there, Rebels. We are in the journalism room of the Sherpa Chalet, and I am speaking with a lady. Okay, I'm going to need a big breath for this because there's a lot to read here. She is a journalist. She's an interviewer. She is a copywriter and scriptwriter, a video producer, a world explorer. I can't even read my own handwriting. Oh, she's a... Senior editor for online publications, a field producer. She directed a movie called Off the Wall. She has been a panelist on a film festival. She's been a keynote speaker, a writing teacher, an actress, a stand-up comedian, a semi-pro prankster, (laughs) and a funny provocateur. And she is a podcaster of a new podcast called Mind the Future, her name is Catherine Brodsky. We should have kind of set that to we didn't start the fire for all those occupations. Maybe it'll make it a little bit more of a musical introduction. So how are you doing, Catherine? I am good, and about 90% of that is accurate. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just as long as we've got the majority of it down. That's- you did. I mean, and then there are things that you might have missed that I, I probably don't publish, like professional hacker and uh, you know fake agent back in the day. 
Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that one, but it's out there now. The private investigator at one point in my life, but nowadays mostly a writer. I also should mention that Catherine mentioned to me that she's armed and ready <laughs> with a water gun. I am because we seem I seem to have developed a pigeon problem. And I understand pigeons are lovely creatures of the dove specimen and they used to deliver things during the war and and you know I've learned a lot about their history while trying to get rid of them. I had a broken foot at one point and whenever I you know would try to chase away the pigeons it was like they were mocking me. Sometimes they would stand on one foot and and really mock me. And I'm pretty sure I was in the process of breaking my second foot, trying to lunge at them and, you know, get them out of my balcony. Now we have other problems, it seems to be. <laughs> it seems to be the case. So, so the pigeon vendetta kind of goes on the back burner for a little while? It, it is. But, you know, I do look forward to sometimes when they visit now because I have that water gun so I can shoot them and make <laughs> my day. You know, I was just thinking, I know we don't really get into political discussions on the show, but if they're tearing down little statues... What are they going to poop on? <laughs> well, that's an excellent point. I think my balcony. <laughs> I think we found the answer. <laughs> they got a designated area for target practice. Clearly, because, you know, I, I, I've lived here for a while. I, I didn't have this issue. And then one day, you know, and they would come visit around 5, 6 a.m. and sing their terrible, they make terrible sounds. And, uh, you know, I think they've been displaced. I think, I, I actually think it's like the construction and pr possibly the distraction of monuments is a contributing factor as well. That could be. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You've definitely led an interesting and very busy life so far. Yeah, well, th this is what my shrink asks. Tell me about yourself. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you can be on a couch. That's okay. That's right. You know, I, I kind of started in um, online journalism back when it was still kind of starting out. And and then, wait, uh, you know, as newspapers and magazines were supposedly dying, I seem to have worked my way into print. Both online and print still seem to be around. And so I've been writing for both of them. I've written a lot about entertainment. That that was predominantly where uh, most of my attention went, uh, film in particular and television. And I've written for, I was a reporter for Variety, which is one of the oldest. I think the, the first movie review was published in Variety. Um, so I wrote for them for about eight years, The Guardian, The Washington Post, CNN. And I also covered uh, travel, which because I have a bit of a travel addiction. So that was uh, a big part of it for me, too. And um, can I consider myself an interviewer? Because that has become sort of my specialty. And really, because I was curious about different things. And I was curious about different people. And that gave me an excuse to meet some really fascinating people. And at the same time, um, I get to study different subjects. And then I get to talk to the people who are like the top experts in those subjects and learn from them. So um, I've, I've always loved that. And then I kind of ended up working in some other areas as well, like producing uh, content, um, a lot of like behind the scenes kind of promotional videos for films and television shows. Also, uh, doing some, some other interesting things. <laughs> it's funny, you know, when I saw your picture, I said to my wife, I said, she reminds me of an actress. And I couldn't place, put my finger on what actress you look like. Have you ever gotten that? I have gotten a few, but I was super curious to know which one you may have thought. 
Um, different from the ones I've gotten. The ones that kind of came to mind from the pictures that I saw, I was thinking like Sarah Silverman, Janine Garofalo, that kind of, because you've got the very fair skin and the dark hair, the dark eyes. Hmm. I've not gotten any of these, but they're very funny. So happy to be included. <laughs> okay. Who do you usually get? Because maybe if you say a name, that might spark something. Uh, like well, they're, they look completely different. Um, but the one I've gotten the most is probably uh, Natalie Portman. And then the one that, um, and then I get Nora Jones a lot too. So those Yes. Are yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the ones, but I feel like I look, I can look really different on different days. And like in photos, like I had a photographer who was shooting me and she said, you know, you look like even within that one photo shoot, like every picture I take, you just look so different. So I don't know. It's a shape shifty kind of look maybe. (laughs) So we have to put that along with everything else. Shapeshifter, professional sh- shapeshifter, yeah. <laughs> what do you apply online for a job like that, right? Uh, you know, I, I find it's funny because when I went to apply for jobs, people, I, I think sometimes they would look at me if it's a very corporate place and they'll be like, we don't know what to do with you. And other times they're like, we love this. And it it really fits into one or, or the other. And I remember I had one interview with Google at one point and they said, you know, you're a very Google person. So I'm a very Google person, whatever that means. <laughs> I was going to say, do you know what that means? Because I can... No idea. <laughs> I've decided to think it's a good thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> we can hope so, right? You got that in your back pocket, right? I'm a Google person. I'm a Google person, yes. Well, it was an interview for Google, so I imagine that was probably a good thing. You're a travel... Addict. <laughs> That's so, correct. What were some of your favorite places to go see the world? I know you had some pictures of a trip to Japan on one of your social media accounts. Yeah, Japan was uh, uh, is probably one of my favorite places to visit. Um, and this was actually, I believe, oh, it was my second to last trip before you know COVID took the travel industry out of the running. Yeah, Japan is 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 amazing. I. I really wanted to go back and spend a lot more time there and just go to more rural areas, which I sort of did. I, I got to, um, I rented a car, which if you know me, is probably not the best idea. Um, and I drove to see some foxes in Fox Village, which I feel semi-guilty about, but they're very fluffy and cute. Um, and it's amazing, a miracle that we survived because also you're driving on a different, like the car is completely different. It said the road is, you know, more the, like the European or is it the European or UK, whatever, the wrong side of the road. I just was trying to avoid saying the wrong side of the road. (laughs) You know, you're always wrong somewhere. Japan is definitely one of my favorite places. I got to work in um, Morocco also um, on a show called Jack Ryan, which was on um, Amazon. Sure with John Krasinski. And that was very fun and interesting to travel for. And especially because we had a lot of explosions that we would set up. So it was was so fun. And there were like Navy SEALs. But also Morocco was just such a fascinating place in terms of it's just so different. And it's such a strange place because on the one hand you have this like very modern you can go into a mall and it's super modern and it has all the brand names and everything and then other places you have donkeys and people still using them and people selling watermelons by the side of the road and villages that probably don't 
even know what the internet is. So it's very, it's very strange and trying to figure it out. And then I, I was also trying to figure out because I was trying to dress appropriately and it was Ramadan. So I was trying to be sort of respectful. So I kept, I watched videos before I went, you know, in terms of how people dress up. So it seemed like people were dressing up really conservatively, like the full, the full head scarf and everything and uh, everything covered. And then other people were telling me conflicting information and they were saying, no, no, you can be casual. It doesn't really matter. So I just kind of packed in between clothes. And when I got there, I realized if you are not from Morocco, you can wear pretty much what you want. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> um, you know, as long as you're not like showing off too much cleavage and such, but you know, just to be respectful, but otherwise. But then certain people there, especially since it was Ramadan, most people were dressed very conservatively. So yeah, it was it was a fascinating place to figure out, although at one point and it was very hot. And then the next destination we were traveling to was Paris. And I think we all kind of kissed the floor when we got to Paris, just because <laughs> we were grateful we get out of there. <laughs> leave, leave the desert behind. Give me some wine and cheese, please. Right? Yeah. I mean, there was a machete stabbing right kind of near me. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> that could be a problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, you, you don't know. I, I, I was being very like, I'm just going to go walk around and do whatever. I'm fine. I'm tough. I can take care of myself. And the Navy SEAL, SEAL folks were like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if Navy, Navy SEALs are telling you no, that's a pretty good sign. You got to Yeah, it. probably. They're like, call us. We'll take care of you. But I'm like, I'm an independent woman. Yeah, I'm probably not the smartest in, in that regard, but I got away with it. So. I'm, I'm imagining that you're probably logging in a lot of travel miles. Do you have any secrets for people who like to travel a lot that, to make things easier on your flights? Oh, I'm always trying to figure it out. I, I do have a few things. Um, hand cream makes it so much easier because it's just something about moisturizing your hands it just you just feel more refreshed and same thing with like a, a some kind of a mist i find uh anything kind of refreshing a little bit hydrating it just makes a huge difference you know there are different pillows that i've tested over time and they work and not work you know bringing your own snacks i always have a, a bottle of water that i fill up or at least buy at the airport so i have my own bottle of water i prefer uh, a window seat because i can lean on the window and i feel a little bit more separated and on short flights so that i can get off the plane faster i prefer aisle i mean the best thing to do is get a business class flight <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> the other thing is when I'm booking flights, I always check the uh, seating charts to make sure that maybe there's no one sitting next to me. At least leave that middle seat between you and the other person. Um, so I'm always like checking it until the very last moment just to, and I will switch seats if I see there are like people sitting there. But again, the business class flights are the ultimate secret. <laughs> I don't even need first class. Like I don't care about, you know, champagne and such. I, I just want my own pod. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about being a field producer. Now you've worked on a lot of different TV shows. I know uh, you said Jack Ryan, The Man in the High Castle, 
The Good Doctor, I believe, also. Yeah, The Good Doctor. I mean, I, I, I worked as, uh, on some of these shows, I worked as a field producer, and some sh- these shows I worked as a unit publicist, which no one knows what that is. But I'm basically in charge of all the marketing uh, materials that we're going to collect from set and sort of the conduit between the studio and and the um, and the production, so yeah, I worked on I worked on Good Boys, which was a movie uh, for Universal with Seth uh, Seth Rogen produced it. It was like a raunchy comedy with like twelve year old boys. So yes, yes, <laughs> okay, yeah, it was it, that was really fun. That was like such a summer movie, and then I worked on a horror movie because everyone told me it would be fun. Even though I don't watch horror movies, I, I it's like the one genre I hate. But you know what? They were right. It is fun to film them and it was like the new Chucky movie so Child's Play that was quite fun especially because we played a, the cast was very um, fun on that one and they like to play pranks and joke around and I like to play pranks and joke around so I may have played certain pranks on certain people may have backfired as pranks do but you know I'm alive so we'll leave it at that <laughs> Again, always a plus. Oh, always a plus. And the Men in the High Castle was such an amazing show and obviously very serious. But I do remember it being so surreal, being on set and watching all these Nazis being taught, background performers being taught how to do the, the Nazi salute. And that was, I think, my first day. And I was like, I started singing, It's Springtime for Hitler. I just couldn't help myself. It, it was pretty funny. Um, at the same time, I would say the show was very, very cautious about making sure that, you know, they, they, they always kept like the flags, you know, wrapped up. They wouldn't let anyone go out of the building with the Nazi you know, can, can you imagine like somebody dressed as a Nazi walking out and people don't know the context? So they were very, very careful about that. And But great show. Too bad it's it's done now. You know, I've been following it. Unfortunately, I haven't seen too much of the last season. And I really recommend it to a lot of people. It's It's funny because it's really based on a sci-fi novel. And the show just takes its time and it's really good. And there's so many characters... That that kind of come and go in the show, but but there is still like a, a core of the characters as well, and you know that there's kind of something really weird bubbling underneath the story that you're watching. Like there's going to be this weird twist at the end. So and and it's such a dark story, and it's so well handled by that cast. They they had a, like a wonderful cast in that show. It is a great cast, and it's just so thought out. Like. There was a lot of care that goes into that show or went into that show. Um, you know, obviously, it's amazing to have it be based on Philip K. Dick, Dick's work. But like, you know, they really thought out and they thought out the implications of putting out a show like that into the world as well. So, um, yeah, it was it, it was my kind of show. I mean, I've been lucky that most of the things that I've worked on, I would watch myself. And I've al- always regret taking on things there where I didn't love. <laughs> so where I had some hesitations about. So I really try to work on only things that I love. But sometimes, you know, things don't work out, even though that you think they're going to be brilliant and it's an amazing experience. And then it just doesn't kind of fit together. So that's why bad movies get made sometimes. <laughs> out of all the 
producing that you've done out on as a field producer and a set producer, is there any one memory or any particular show that really stands out apart from what you've mentioned or? I mean, there, yeah, there are definitely some memories, but some are controversial, so I can't talk about them. Um, I will say, like, on Jack Ryan, just, like, the explosions were just incredible just to be there because now everything is kind of done CG, but in Morocco, in the middle of nowhere, you can actually blow things up. And um, we, they really did. <laughs> At one point, <laughs> I may have gotten a little bit too close because no one really stopped me, and I was just being bad. Let's just say I was being bad. I don't think I was in any kind of danger. I wasn't that dangerously close, but I was very close to where the explosion was happening. And none of us realized it was going to be quite as big as it ended up being. And in the end, everybody was covered in dust, like the camera lenses. And even if they were like really far away, they were still covered. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine how covered I was. I had to shower five times just to be clean enough to like live my life and then <laughs> and we were shooting I think it was our last day um and just as the sun was kind of coming up and we were driving and then there were all these sheep suddenly that appeared out of nowhere and you could see them out of the back of the car as we were pulling away yeah that was that was pretty cool movie magic or tv show magic I guess but that show was shot like a movie now you are Canadian by birth I'm presuming and could you talk a little bit about off the wall Oh, sure. Not quite by birth, but oh. as a but I am a Canadian citizen at this point in my life. Okay. Um, but and I grew up in Canada, so um in New York. Off the Wall was actually uh just a, a series that I produced for our Canadian funding agency that funds our Canadian film and television and called Telefilm Canada. And it was just a series of very kind of stylized interviews, black and white with like yellow. <laughs> Um, where um, I traveled across Canada interviewing um, at first just filmmakers and then later on also different like personalities uh, that might be known. For example, uh, Joni Rochette, who was a, an Olympic medalist skater and yet uh, Yan um, Martel, who wrote Life of Pi, Joel Plaskett, who's a musician. So people like that. It was really fun. Plus, I got to see Canada, which, um, or rather other parts of Canada, because I've only really, up to that point, probably only been to Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. And I've never been anywhere else in Canada. So it was like a chance to really get to know the city because I'd come in and do those interviews and, and shoot for a few hours. And then I'd have some time to sort of explore, um, although it was pretty cold. <laughs> and, and given your, your traveling experience, is there a part of Canada that you would recommend somebody that might want yes. to go to Canada? I think one of my favorite cities in general is Montreal. I mean, um, and I think Quebec, I didn't get to explore Quebec City as much, uh, but from what I understand, what I've seen, I, it's a great place too. But Montreal is just so cool because 
people do know English there, but they also speak French. So they have that culture and it's got that old European, but it's also got modern architecture and amazing food. And I find people so friendly. I find that you would talk to someone for, you know, five minutes and they'll be like, Hey, let's hang out. So there was this very casual way, um, about them and, and just really friendly, very approachable, um, kind of French meets Canadians. <laughs> As we mentioned before, you know, Catherine is a journalist and she has been working for Variety since 2011. And she's written for The Washington Post, The Guardian, Esquire, Playboy, Mashable, Entertainment Weekly, USA Weekend, Vulture, El Canada, CNN Travel, The Independent, AV Club, Flair, Time Out, and Delta Sky Magazine. And I'm just amazed at the list of people that you've spoken to. Uh, I'm looking at your website, katherinebrodsky.com, which I encourage everyone to check out and just be fascinated. And she's spoken to Oscar, Emmy, Grammy, Pulitzer, Tony, and Nobel winners and nominees. And some of these people are Dick Van Dyke, Michael Douglas, Richard Dreyfus, Sam Rockwell, Melissa Leo, Brian Cranston, David Duchovny, Sir Ian McKellen, Willem Dafoe, Carl Reiner, Tom Hiddleston, Josh Brolin, Emily Blunt, Alan Cumming, Kiefer Sutherland, John Leguizamo, Tony Kushner, Xavier Dolan, John Patrick Shanley, Kevin Klein, Catherine Keener, Sutton Foster, Simon Pegg, Josh Hutcherson, Ethan Hawke, and even a guy named the Dalai Lama. <laughs> Any memorable moments in some of these interviews? Sure. So I, I will say the Dalai Lama was, <laughs> of course, memorable. That was at a press conference. And it was just kind of a funny moment because when he came in, it was all these like journalists from all over the world and me. And I was really young at the time. And he waved. And I was like, I didn't think he could possibly be waving to me. So I kind of looked around and I pointed at myself like to me and he starts laughing hysterically and he's like, yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, I, and I, did, I did get to ask him some questions. So that was pretty awesome and very inspiring. And then I would say, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, especially as you start interviewing people who are more and more famous, you get less and less time with them. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really nice. This was, a, you know, before Carl Reiner had passed away. Um, I did an interview with Carl and Dick Van Dyke, and this was at Carl's um, house. And I had interviewed Carl before, so I already knew him. But it was so amazing because... You know, just being in that space. Um, I remember the first time I was at his house, I sat accidentally in the wrong chair and I sat in um, his friend's best BFF's friends, uh, whose name is, oh my gosh, who's Carl Reiner's best friend? Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, that's right. Mel Brooks. I, and, and Carl kind of gives me this look. I think somebody corrected me and said, you know, that's, that's Mel's chair. <laughs> <laughs> You're sitting in the chair of the 2,000-year-old man. That's right. I think he said, don't you want to be on that side? <laughs> it was something polite, but you know. So um, it, was, it was really great to just kind of observe him and see what his space was like. And then I remember after, I think I came back after that interview to spend a little bit more time with him. And uh, Carl started reading me a book uh, that he was writing. And he also, he, you know, write music sometimes and he listened to a song uh, that I wrote and he just 
it's like really like intently listened to it. And he said afterwards, he's like, you know, it's so rare to have somebody have something to say. So I, I, that's kind of amazing because only like, I don't know, five people have heard music that I've written. So um, that was pretty, pretty great experience wise. But, you know, I'm always, I'm always having interesting experiences, some interviewing people, some more unusual or memorable than others. Mm -hmm. I love Judy Dench just because she's so cheeky and kind of a flirt, uh, which is not at all what I expected. I did kind of expect pretty like reputable uh, lady and and she is none of that. And um, I'm pretty sure she swears like a sailor, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) And she was definitely flirting with their co-star who who, um, was this very young man, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in a in a lovely way. And then um, Michael Douglas, you know, he's so old school. He, he made sure that he knew my name and everything about, you know, a few things about me before I walked into the room. And he said, you know, would you like, would you like anything? Are you comfortable? Would you like a, anything to drink? And I said, no, thank you. But that's very nice of you to offer. And so he said, well, I'm a very nice person. And I said, Nice people don't say that. <laughs> and it all went downhill from there. <laughs> you can't win them all, right, Catherine? Yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I don't think uh, Michael Douglas uh, is going to hold it against me. <laughs> okay. Remember right. it. I, I can't have you here without uh, not talking about your new podcast called Mind the Future. So I was wondering if you could uh, kind of fill us in about it. It's, it's very heady. It's definitely not your typical subject matter for a podcast. That's what I liked about it. It's very unique. Thank you. Well, um, so I think coming from this world of entertainment and and travel, uh, both of these are subjects that I love, but I've also been really in love with the uh, technology for a long time. And and I'm always kind of thinking of how the things that we do are going to affect us in the future. And, and I think we don't think about the future enough. And so my podcast is called Mind the Future and invites guests uh, from different area arenas. Right now, we've had I've had a futurist on for the first podcast. I've had a, a Pulitzer winning journalist, um, a PR uh, guru, gaming expert, and I'm about to have an astrophysicist on who specializes in like supernovas it's the idea was to talk to all these different people and see what they imagine the future will be like and for me because it's an area that I'm just really passionate about now I did try to start a podcast years ago that was um going to be just talking to really interesting people and I recorded a bunch of interviews and then I hated the sound of my own voice so much that I couldn't launch it. And I'm kind of embarrassed about it because I feel like the interviews were actually pretty good. It was me that was not so good. But now I've actually done it. And thanks, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm really glad. And, you know, it forces me to learn things. But at the same time, I'm hoping that these conversations are really approachable for anybody who's thinking about the future. And some of it is related to technology. Some of it is, is really, you know, I'd love to have like a chef at some point on there and talk about the future of culinary arts and uh, gastro, you know, gastro, what is it, molecular gastronomy, you know, and things like that. But, you know, everything is changing. And I think the more we know about the past and the more we understand the present, the more 
we're going to know about the future and be prepared for it and be able to make the right choices. I think when we've had, you know, the internet come around and, and all the things that came with it and social media platforms, we didn't really plan for it and we didn't prepare for it. And so we didn't make um, rules for it. See, I'm getting so heady <laughs> already. <laughs> I think the podcast is not quite as intensely heady as, as, as we're suggesting right now. It's, it's approachable, okay? <laughs> <laughs> People aren't going to be instantly confused the minute you start asking questions or anything like that. That's right. They're not going to be confused because I'm, I'm easily confused myself. So, yeah. you know, this is my ex- access level. I'm not a genius. I'm just <laughs> and, and actually, I can speak from uh, experience that I guess I could probably share the story of how Kath, well, how, how this interview with Catherine came to be. Uh, she had posted an episode on social media and she wanted some feedback on it. And I listened to it and I thought it was great. And it's funny because usually in this this uh, social media group that I'm in, I'm usually very critical because there are some people that just like, no, 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 stop that. <laughs> Don't podcast, please, just stop. But Catherine's was like, I just sat there like, wow, this is fantastic. And your journalistic skills are just so evident on it. It's like you can tell that, you know, you know how to ask the right questions and how to bring the right answers out of people to really make people think. And it, right, it's not like she's going to be dis- discussing rocket science and brain surgery in every single episode. It's approachable questions that I think, you know, the everyday person might be thinking of or maybe questions that the everyday person should be thinking of. Exactly. That's exactly the idea. And I'm so glad you, you appreciated it and weren't critical, though I, I would, would have been happy to hear all the criticisms as well. Uh, it's funny because when I was looking at your podcast, you know, I was just saying how I, I hated the sound of my own voice. I was like, I like this guy's voice and style. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. You know, it's funny because... I talk to so many podcasters and you know how many people hate the sound of their own voice? Because it's it's actually a, a scientific thing. You know that, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't mind my singing voice. That's, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could sing your next interview. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's going to be a jazzy performance on my podcast. <laughs> well, you're I a fussy fan, so you got to no. use the jazz hands, right? Huge positive fan, yeah. But you know what? The intro uh, song on my podcast, I wrote that and I do sing it. Oh, very cool. Little known fact. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I like recycled it. it from my old podcast. <laughs> so, so that's the only thing that survived out of all those. Uh, that's the only thing. I'm really disappointed with myself, to be honest, because I did, I did have some really great guests. Um, like I had a guy who was a jewelry thief and I had like the youngest chef in history and, and I don't know, I've had some like really cool people. So I'm really disappointed in myself for letting down. Well, world. maybe, maybe you'll decide to unearth them one of these days, Catherine. We'll keep our fingers crossed. I have to look for them. Maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And in regards to your podcast, are there any things that you see coming in the future? I mean, given you know, your travel throughout the world and you know, getting to talk with a whole, a whole bunch of people, what, what are your feelings about the future? Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, well, my feelings about the future is, I think one thing we can say about the future, it's uncertain. I'm so, I feel like I'm marooned on an island right now, except the island is my 
apartment. So, you know, the, it's so sad not to be able to travel. This was my whole plan was I, I had a big project I was working on. I was supposed to be finished with that in like June or July. And then I was going to like travel, go back to Japan, go to Europe, South of France, like live the life. You know, I had a, I had a maid and then COVID happened. I even had a, you know what? I was working on a project where I had a chair with my name on it which is like, like really like I've made it ma. And then like right after I got the chair, (laughs) everything shut down. But in terms of like guests and things like that, I'm I'm always exploring different topics. I I know I have, um, I am planning on having somebody who's like a, a, an expert on transmedia storytelling. I know I'm going to have somebody from the world of film kind of exploring the different technologies that are going to be used in that. But like I said, I'd like to kind of open it up even more and, and maybe talk to a chef or, or a painter and, or a musician or something like that at some point. I am personally very interested in, in the future of journalism for very for obvious reasons. And I'm interested in how that's going to be affected by technology and is being affected by technology and how we get the information that we do. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, especially after exchanging some tweets with um, Andrew Yang, who was a a presidential candidate in the US, um, because he has this whole thing about, you know, giving everyone I think it's a thousand dollars, right? Um, and it's a, a, but his whole thinking behind it is, is, you know, the machines are going to take away jobs, especially certain kinds of jobs, and as a result, there are some people who will not be able to find other jobs or, or learn new things, and how does that affect them? And also maybe giving people a buffer leads to more creativity, more risk taking. So I've been thinking about that a lot because I'm kind of on the fence about the idea. Though when we had that tweet tweet exchange, his followers clearly are not really on the fans because <laughs> they got swarms of <laughs> messages. Um, but it did provoke some interesting discussions and, uh, and, and there were some libertarians in the group who, who were the voices of dissent. I think there, it's a complex thing, and I hope people are thinking about it not just in a way of, you know, that reaction or like, oh, that would be a very nice thing to have, a $1,000. But how does, how does that work? How does it affect different areas? How does it affect the economy? Does it cause inflation? Like all these questions that we need to really think through. But, you know, I, I think the st- people are afraid of changing the status quo, and it's really hard to make those changes. But sometimes we do because there's better solutions sometimes. Yeah. And I guess given the current circumstances too, people realize, well, you can't do things the old way. Now you have to think of a new way to do the same old thing. Right. But the problem is like the people in charge and the way the way things are structured, these systems, they take so long to adjust and it's such a committee and, and also not necessarily the smartest or, or, or most expert people are making those decisions. Like what I did like about somebody like Andrew, at least he has like, he has an idea of t- understanding of technology, has an understanding of business and things like that. Um, I think I would love to see more people from areas of science and areas of technology going into politics. I know we said we won't talk about politics, but this is a general thing because I think we need people who 
really smart and for whom being a politician is really a service and a sacrifice rather than, you know, a political aim. A lot of politicians are career politicians. Yeah, I loved like in the Czech Republic, they had a poet. How great is that? So that's kind of, you know, I think I think our political structures are, are, are really messed up kind of most places. And, you know, a lot of places like two parties and then everyone else is like, just has two choices and are not represented. And, and it's just not a great way to be. And that's where corruption comes in. I don't know that I know the exact answer to like creating a better structure, but I also know that the structure is so hard to change. I guess one step at a time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a portion of the show and we call it Shameless self-promotion. Shameless self-promotion. Shameless self-promotion. And this is where you can let everybody know where they can follow you and uh, any of your internet-y things that you'd like to share with our listeners. Go right ahead. The floor is yours, my friend. Sure. Thank you for allowing this selfless shameless, not selfless, shameless (laughs) self-promotion. Yeah, it's so selfless of me to self-promote. God, what a tongue twister. You can do shameless Uh, selfless promotion if you want to. (laughs) I don't think there's anything selfless about promoting oneself, but um, it's funny because I spend so much time promoting other people that I'm not always the best at it. But in terms of uh, promoting things, yeah, like the best way to find me, I think, is on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm Mysterious Cat at Mysterious Cat. And I would give you a link to my Mind the Future podcast, except um, there is no easy URL. So if you go to my Twitter account, though, it's in my bio and you can click on that and you can view the YouTube version. And it's also on if you search for Mind the Future on all these platforms. Um, iTunes and Spotify and Google and all that, you'll find it as well. And I guess that concludes my shameless self-promotion, but not selfless. (laughs) Okay. Her name is Catherine Brodsky. The name of the podcast, again, is Mind the Future. And it's good stuff, folks. You definitely have to check it out. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Let's get back to the Sherpa. Sorry about that. No! And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. So in addition to Catherine's podcast, Mind the Future, here are a few other titles about the future that you might want to check out if you're interested in the future. We have the Future of Work podcast with Jacob Morgan, the Future Grind podcast, Future Fossils, Idea Factory, Seeing What Will Be, Building What Will Be. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? (laughs) Between Worlds, The Near Futurist, Newt's World, and that is with Newt Gingrich. Remember him? And Book of the Future. Now, of course, being the TV aficionado I am, we'd also have to hope that there would be a podcast called Hamana 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 Chef of the Future. 
if you're over 40, you'll get that joke. All of the rest of you, just look it up. Thanks once again for listening to Too Many Podcasts. This has been your old buddy, or your new buddy, Jim the Podcast Chirpa. Hey, thank you so much for coming by. And also thank you so much to Catherine Brodsky. And be sure to check out her podcast, Mind the Future. It's some really cool stuff. You're definitely going to enjoy it. I certainly did. And since it is Christmas today, if, like I said, if you're listening to this show in real time, and you want to get even more in the Christmas spirit, go to my website, sharpollution.com, and there's a link under that page called Did Someone Say Music? And you will see a playlist of 100 Christmas songs. So maybe if you have a little holiday get-together going on today, or you're just kind of chilling by the fireplace, you'll have lots of music to listen to, and I hope you do enjoy it. And I hope you enjoy the website, too. And would you like to give the Sherpa a Christmas present and it won't cost you a dime? Just a couple of minutes of your time. All you have to do is head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher.com, or iHeartRadio, and leave a nice review about the show and help spread the word about the Sherpolution. I would really appreciate that. If you're not doing that, that's okay, too. But I will just say, for today, Merry Christmas to all. And to all of Viva La Sherpolution. Merry Christmas, Mr. Bruce. Merry Christmas, Sherpaloobots. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Too Many Podcasts. Please disperse. You can go home now. I said you can go home now. Viva La Sherpolution. Viva La Sherpolution. <coughs> Oh. Yell, come back now, you hear? <laughs> <laughs>